Sweating the Small Stuff, a show where we sweat over the details that make our world richer. I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Buzar-Jamari, and today I'm joined by... Uh, Keon Buzar-Jamari, your personal mind fiend. I, I still have no... This clue. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday! Oh god, why do we let this happen? I don't know. So, Keon, I believe you wanted to talk about a subject that's near to both of our hearts. Yes, and uh, perfect theming. I mean, hello everyone, and I hope that you're having a great day, but today is going to be themed based on uh, siblings, so if you don't have a sibling, I'm sorry, but this one's based on brotherly love as well as it kind of goes into any deep emotional connection you might have based on the movie but let's just say for this is my personal episode to you cameron this is a generous generous (laughs) description (laughs) (laughs) so what i wanted to talk about is the mind melding feature called the uh the drift in pacific rim oh man okay this is a subject very near to my heart just because Mm -hmm. pacific i think pacific rim it may objectively i don't i know you love it a lot but like it may be my favorite movie of all time oh, it's so good we, uh, yeah didn't you do a, a panel at a convention about it yes i've never felt in my <laughs> entire life the obligation to do a panel at a convention but i did a giant robots panel at so a good. comic and anime convention mm-hmm. because it was important to me that we discuss <laughs> the exceptional quality that this movie has to offer mm-hmm. and so the the thing that i love about this so in the as a quick preface uh in the movie pacific rim there are these giant robots called jaegers and they fight giant monsters called kaiju and to create that giant robot, which is the size of skyscrapers, they need uh, a pilot to pilot them. But like in any anime, you have people in cockpits with a bunch of buttons and this and that. And that seems kind of clunky to control a giant robot. So instead of that, they hook up your nervous system via this uh, suit to the consciousness or, you know, the, the the motion of the robot. But one person's brain isn't enough to completely control the robot. So they have two people in what's called the drift and they have to do a neural handshake. Oh, God, I love this movie there's so much text like just delicious flavor text so two people have to be so in sync with each other or so close that they can do what's called a neural handshake and sync their consciousness together and then pilot this robot so that they both are basically in this uh i wouldn't say virtual or augmented reality thing but they're in this chamber that puts their body in a uh in kind of a mechanism so that they can move freely and that free movement is translated into the robot and they both are kind of sitting next to like standing next to each other plenty of room to move but they are their their brains are completely synced it's really awesome the idea there are parts in the movie where they'll still be yelling at each other like oh we need to do this i'm like can't you fu- can't you hear each other's brains like <laughs> what are you talking about but uh and as well as one person will be like we need to do this thing and it's like how did the other person not know that like the well there's one part that i won't spoil but there's one moment where people are like how did they not know they had that in their robot the whole time but there there are reasons to explain it away uh regardless that's there is the drift they are interlinked and there are some plot holes but that's just getting nitpicky the movie's amazing like yeah okay i gotta take a moment step back and say i will not we don't have to worry about plot holes because it's there's a lot of janky stuff that happens on the movie but my from the moment that they get into like the head and the head drops down the chute and lands on the robot it's just like some megazord assembling stuff i was like i don't care what happens next Mm -hmm. this is the best movie nothing will beat this you you know you'll be excited you know you'll be satisfied and excited about this movie if when i tell you the next thing you'll get excited and 
and want to see the movie, that the voice of the computer is GLaDOS from uh, Portal and Portal 2. If that alone is just like, what? And that gets you psyched, you'll like the movie. If that's like, who cares? You'll still probably like the movie. <laughs> I think the funniest thing about the movie is like, there are no big name actors except for Idris mm-hmm. Elba and does Charlie Day count? When uh, that movie it, came it, out, I think Charlie Day was like... Yeah, it, and the thing about the other actors, well, the main character, Raleigh or Riley or whatever, he had been on Sons of Anarchy for a long time. He, mm-hmm. he was a known actor. I don't know if he was like super famous on the, you know, on the cover of magazines. Same th- thing with uh, Charlie Day's counterpart uh, character who is a, um, he's another scientist. He's been in other movies and as well as he was in um, Torchwood. But besides that, you know, like, not particularly huge named actors. Uh, oh man, Guillermo del Toro. So, so good. rowdy. Mm-hmm. So, and that's like, it's so weird. It's like this, uh, I can't even think of a movie that like fits this. It was, it, I don't think anyone ever meant for it to be that good. Mm-hmm. And yet here we are. And it's, <sighs> it's just, uh, I could watch that movie forever and ever. Yeah. And okay. so, yeah. So do you want to dive into? Yes. So the, the main thing I wanted to bring up is, and we can talk about scientific uh, circumstance around the idea. But what I wanted to bring up is how the creative input, like the, the use of the drift as a creative framing device is so, it, it immediately raises the stakes for any viewer watching the movie. So, so you want me to just extrapolate yeah, on what go. I mean? Okay. Now what I mean is that in the very beginning of the movie, it's hard for any movie to get you invested in the plot within the first, I don't know, even 20 minutes, the first act of the movie. What they do is they first do, and a lot of people hate what's called exposition dumps, which is you start a movie and then you see news clippings. You see the parts of break, breaking news and you know stuff's going on. Or what you also see is uh, just a monologue of someone talking. Now this movie has both of those, but they do it in such a way that is it, it's just well well curated, well, well choreographed. They tell you everything you need to know. It's really great. That's in the, It's not that distracting, but it only, it doesn't overstate its welcome. It's like a minute of a quick clip of like, this is the world that you're entering. This is the quote unquote future that there's giant ro- robots, giant monsters. Don't think too hard about it. <laughs> And then you're introduced to our main character, Raleigh, and his brother. And so, so this is what I bring up that this is important, is that when both of them are introduced, they Raleigh is super pumped and psyched, and he is so already invested in the anime world that he lives in that he's he's so excited to get into this giant robot and his uh, kind of curmudgeon older brother who's just like groggy because they both had to wake up because a goddamn giant... <laughs> four wants, in the morning. Yeah. So he's like groggy. He wakes up, and so you have this really peppy younger brother, this kind of curmudgeonly older brother and they're going to go get in this giant robot and and he even says and Raleigh's just like uh it's like there's a new kaiju codename Knifehead and he like in your mind you're just like this dude's cool I would say the same thing <laughs> like I get you so you're already endeared to both the characters one of them is t- tired from waking up super empathizable the other one's really excited for getting in a giant robot super empathizable now within that you you they get in the robot and then Raleigh uh, through voiceover talks about the drift and they explain it so they show through well edited like, you know, visual medium, what the drift is, which is all of your memories going together, your two brains melding together and basically sharing the same bandwidth of both of like the hard drive space of both of your brains with two minds and they just are drifting in and out. And so the reason why all of this is is really great is because they mention, he, he makes it abundantly clear that like you need to be very close to this human being. Like the two people that are in the drift need to be very compatible and they're both brothers. So if you have a brother, you're probably leaning over like we did 
when we first saw the movie, being like, "That's us! Oh, we could, we would, we would pilot the crap out of that like robot stuff like that." You get so psyched, and then they bring up that you don't need to be siblings; you can just be really connected. And and in the audience, a lot of people, and I know a lot of people, this happened for people, is that when they saw that, they're like, "I could, I could think off the top of my head, who could I drift with? Who would I ch- pilot this giant robot with?" You're immediately thinking that, which is great. Like that's how you get invested in a movie. Smash cut to five minutes later, where codename Knifehead is jabbing its giant sword it's brain, knife it's, it's knife head, head into the chest of this character and then you of this robot, and you see that like their left arm uh, of both Raleigh and his brother are hurting. You can tell that it's connected to their nervous system, and it really it becomes a you know it raises the stakes, and you're like, oh crap, this actually is hurting them. And then the uh, like like operating surger- surgery, the kaiju uses its hand to pluck out. Uh, Raleigh's brother from the uh, Jaeger and and murder him like not graphically but like immediately he's gone like the death is completely of no consequence to the kaiju but I mean there's no better way to give someone immediate stakes within the first five minutes of the movie to say hey in this world to pilot this giant robot there's so much information coming at you that you are like oh okay I understand how this works to pilot this giant robot you need someone that you're really close with and you both share a brain connection nothing everything's on the table you know exactly what the other person's thinking. So in your mind, you're like, who would I think about that with? Who who would that be person be for me? And then you see the chemistry the two brothers have on screen. You're like, that's exactly me and insert person in your life here. Then guess what? They get murdered graphically on screen and you're like, oh my God. And then you see, and then Raleigh's, and then the Gypsy Danger, the name of their Jaeger, crashes into Alaska somewhere in the north and just falls and, and breaks. And then he walks out of the Jaeger completely bewildered and in your mind, and he covered in blood and you're like, oh man. I can only imagine. And that's the best, like, so first of all, amazing explanation. They just because it. like that, yeah. like every single thing you're saying, just like beat for beat. Because mm-hmm. I think one of the things and that And that's was, before the title. <laughs> the yeah, title yeah. comes in next. <laughs> like, <that's> a, <laughs> like, to be clear, this movie had like, Guillermo del Toro knew what he was doing because he makes this movie and this is like that up, at, like, you know, on up, yeah. they don't say a word. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, this is a love story playing out in five minutes. This is like being the best bros and having tragedy in five minutes, but way less Pixar. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, exactly. And then, so I feel like a lot of shows totally mess up. They give you like this one special thing that's mm-hmm. supposed to paint the world and then they like immediately goof on it and mess it up and do all sorts of weird stuff. But like, it's so weird how well this drift compatibility idea plays the entire movie mm-hmm. because they focus on like what Idris Elba's character is, yeah. the, is like, it turns out like he's one of the, if not the first Jaeger pilots and mm-hmm. he did it by himself and it literally was so oppressive on his mind that he has to take yeah. anti dying pills mm-hmm. and then i mean yeah i don't want to spoil anything but it's it's an it becomes an issue in the plot yeah and it's beautiful because it also implies that like this isn't something unique but also shows that like that thing you saw the guy do at the beginning of the movie where like he had to solo pilot mm-hmm. and it's not just like he yeah. solo piloted like imagine the massive tragedy that you you don't just love your brother you or this person you're literally linked like every single mm-hmm. time you drift with them is like you have a deeper and deeper bond mm-hmm. and now this person is literally gone on forever. And one thing that I love that he that Raleigh brings up later in the movie, he's just like, I was connected to my brother when he dies. So <laughs> literally you're feeling your best friend or sibling or someone you have this connection with die. Like nothing's worse. Like you, oh, 
I just imagining, I, and I mean, for whoever's listening at home, just imagine someone you have a, like a lot of synergy with and you work incredibly well. And then, and you, you feel this strong connection with them. They're plucked, literally plucked out of your life. Like, I mean, it's just such a good way to get, uh, to get anyone that's watching to immediately be like, I, this matters. Like I'm, I'm invested in this movie. Now what's going to happen? It's so good. And I mean, plenty of movies do that with their intro. Uh, what a lot of, a lot of movies, what they end up doing is they treat the first 10 minutes as like a pilot episode of like, this is what the rest of the movie is going to be like, more or less. So strap in. And that's what they do. And it's, it's so good. It's a slice of life for the rest of the movie. And then, like you said before, like, it's so nice having a exposition machine that is plot relevant and not mm-hmm. just like, before we go into this fight, let me tell you everything <laughs> about the sword master and yeah. how he's actually like, my brother. Record scratch. I bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> Kaiju just, as a knife head smashes into the, the cockpit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> record scratch. Oh my God. You, that would have been a very different movie if it started <laughs> like that. Record scratch. That's me. <laughs> I, oh, I hate this. This is so funny. Just like mid dying. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. And then, <sighs> okay. So the other thing that's awesome about it is like they mm-hmm. show you that this is, I actually think in a weird way, this is beautiful because it shows a part of the world that I think I, I have to put some small stuff that we can sweat into this, which is sure, sure. as technology advances, mm-hmm. new jobs happen. You, you and just, they make a big point in the mini exposition at the beginning saying that like him and his brother are borderline nobodies mm-hmm, in there. Yeah. I like, I'm, I'm sure that's not fair to say, but you know how whenever you talk about yourself, a little yeah. part of you, either because you want to be humble or because you just don't want people to think that you're too full of yourself, you mm-hmm. try to tuck yourself down a little bit. Yeah. And so he makes a point to say me and my brother are, would have basically been nobodies. Yeah. He says that they would just, they know how to fight is basically all. He, that's what he says. His, his resume basically is yes, like his credential. Yeah, exactly. His credential for this. Am's good at the punch. <laughs> <laughs> Can do the kick, even the round one. <laughs> Bachelor's degree in punch. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah. And then, From the school of the streets. But then it turns out that as this new technology, as this new threat arises, mm-hmm. they are perfectly suited. Mm-hmm. They are perfectly suited for this job. Mm-hmm. And then you get to see all the different ways that plays out. So like they have to find a new person that is drift compatible with him mm-hmm. or that you see like, it's not usually just sibling. It is mostly sibling. Yeah. Because yeah. just out of the gate, siblings have the best time. But then they have, yeah. was it China's? They have like yeah, well, the whirlwind or something? Uh, typhoon. Typhoon. Yeah, Crimson Typhoon. Which is... God, tr- I love this movie. It's piloted by triplets. Mm-hmm. And it's or fan- just three people. I don't know if they're triplets. No, they were triplets. Oh, okay, the joke then. was that yeah. they're not just siblings. They're tri- they have, sorry, they're triplets because I guess in the lore of the movie, triplets would be the only ones who have been together long enough that they know not just how each other are thinking, but oh. how all three of them yeah, okay. are thinking. Yeah. So instead of it being like times two, it's times three. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it's not like you're finishing other people's senses. You're finishing other people's photon blasts. <laughs> And it's wild. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I think a point you made earlier was about how the they should be able to hear each other's thoughts, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Yeah. But I don't think it's actually like that. I think the point is that like they sync on memories mm-hmm. to get to that point. Yeah. But still their worldview is still more painted in their own context sure. than it is in the others. So mm-hmm. like you and I, we definitely get into that point where we're like riffing on some stuff and anyone yeah. listening is like, what is going on? <laughs> it right becomes now? your own language. Yeah. It's the best. But. 
but we also are our own people. Like I will definitely pursue a problem different from you. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's way worse. Sometimes it's a little better, but overall it is novel mm-hmm. to the point where you can look at it and be like, I didn't think to do that, mm-hmm. but I yeah. can do it like this too. That's fair. And I mean, uh, to that point, it also, the thing that I appreciate about it, and like, uh, okay, if we're getting abstract about the, the small stuff we can sweat is that it basically says in the future, the people that are most useful fighting, you know, like basically doing earth defense are people that can co- cooperate with each other, people that can exist synergistically and work in a team. You see, every, and that's something that's just fantastic about the movie is that when it starts, you immediately, and I'm trying to remember the, the guy that's their, um, he, he's their um, technical technician or something. He's, he's a famous actor. He's done other stuff, but like they all get into the seats and it, it just feels like a team. Like you could think of any team, like if you're making films, like I do sometimes, you can think of them as like each person that makes up the overall film, people that are working together in law enforcement or people that are working together as part of a fire department that you you can feel that energy and they all have the chemistry and it shows that like in the future to get rid of giant monsters you need to work really well with a lot of people and so not only do they need to work you know synergistically with each other they also need to work really well in a team of a bunch of people and they're all friends and it's yeah. great and, uh, even yeah. idris elba the like, curmudgeonly as he is that's kind of like the truth of anything is like if a success like i think the most important thing that comes out of that is just the point that like you cannot achieve anything alone Mm -hmm. even if it's fighting giant monsters (laughs) with your giant robot you cannot achieve anything alone you at some point will have to work with other people yeah and that's i don't remember like that doesn't become a huge point there is always the point of you have to be good with your co-pilot yeah you ideally want to be good in a jaeger team but actually i'm trying to think like there's there are moments where like different jaeger teams don't cooperate well with each other Mm -hmm. but there's never moments where a jaeger team itself doesn't cooperate well except for Mm -hmm. the one time where we're seeing like uh what was her name it's um yeah, oh, yeah, dang it what name. was her name i have an encyclopedic knowledge of everything about this movie and i can't think of her name uh, uh, mako 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 i'm pretty yeah. sure yeah so mako is like her first time drifting and yeah. as part of the drifting process you also have to deal with your own memories and so she mm-hmm. has traumatic memories that she ends up following i don't remember and it was her first time in a jaeger i mean like give her cut her some slack i also don't appreciate that the jaegers apparently have no like test mode to the point where like <laughs> We're going to drift. I'm going to now blow yeah. up the base. <laughs> exactly. Which, like, stakes in a movie, I get that. Um, but also that, like... Listen, what, the last time we had stakes in a movie was The Matrix, and that was a bad scene. <laughs> I love that scene. Uh, but that's the thing that I also love. Well, I mean, this is just me gushing about the movie, that, like, when it shows the flashback of her as a child, that's reminiscent of a really famous uh, photo from Vietnam of a girl running, and it's... Mm-hmm. Oh, God, much. Just that, like, it, it cribs so much from other media. It uses intertextuality, which is really interesting to me because what what it does is a bunch of people watching the movie have seen anime they've seen giant robot stuff so you immediately are like this monster's like this this robot's like this and in your mind you're you don't think that oh well why is it doing that you think oh i remember this other movie or this other anime that had that kind of robot so they're going to operate under very similar rules and they do and that's the the value of intertextuality is you don't need to explain a bunch of things because they're so reminiscent of other of other stuff case in point like john wick you don't need to, you see Keanu Reeves on screen and you immediately think, oh, he's a killing badass, just like Neo, just like Constantine, like his other action-based series. And as well as in that movie, Willem Dafoe's in it and he's a badass uh, sniper. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Mm-hmm. All the people that are in it, they crib off of their past in movies. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a different type of intertextuality. But in this movie, they're like, this is shorthand for something you know. You can look more in detail or get the footnotes for this thing just by watching other media. It's it's not not only, and I mean, the movie works on its own, but it's ameliorated by if you've seen other content. And it's so, oh God, I love that movie. Yeah. and like, It's GLaDOS alone. <laughs> I mean, like there's GLaDOS. The giant Jaegers are reminiscent of Evangelion. Mm, the exactly. giant monster. Or sorry, this giant monsters are reminiscent of Godzilla movies. Yeah, kaiju, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Although my favorite piece of trivia was like Guillermo del Toro called it and created Pacific Rim because he was tired of seeing monsters <laughs> destroy the Statue of Liberty. He's like, I want a movie where that cannot happen. <laughs> the other side, literal other side of the world as yeah. well as the country. So we'll destroy all the other landmarks that don't get enough love. <laughs> yeah. it, oh man, uh, it's just a, oh, an absolutely, I, I cannot have anything less than a super great time watching that movie. All right. Uh, yeah. So I think before we both have heart attacks out of pure joy, uh, mm-hmm. do you want to plug something? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, you can find me and my stuff at Lock, uh, my podcast, which is Life Advice with Kian, L-A-W-K, on, Inst- uh, well, yeah, everywhere. And it's LockCast. If you go on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I haven't really populated those as of yet too much, but I have the podcast, which is anywhere, anywhere you found this podcast, you can also find that podcast uh, as L-A-W-K, Life Advice with Kian. I'm also on Instagram at KianBuzar.Cinema and at print 3 dl for my 3D printing. The other one is for my photography. Uh, I'm also on YouTube at Keon Buzar and uh, also have another comedy podcast called Why a Podcast and they're super fun. So yeah. I definitely recommend Lockcast over Why a Podcast but they're both pretty good in a pinch. <laughs> pretty good. Lock is more self, uh, self-motivation self and uh, just motivation in general as well as some self-care but then Why a Podcast is just a three doofuses goofing. I like to describe it as... Goofuses, doofuses. I like to describe it as drinking black coffee out of a court out encyclopedia. <laughs> There's some knowledge in there somewhere but it's just big <laughs> Bitter and painful. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty you good. You can put that review on your yeah, podcast that's, website. That's very good. Uh, anyway, for <laughs> us really at um, Sweating the Small Stuff, you can find us at bit.ly forward slash small stuff pod. Please, if you're liking the show, share it with a friend and leave us a review on iTunes so other people can find it. And uh, tweet at us, hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, we're at small stuff pod, or hit us up with hashtag small stuff pod and let us the, no, the small stuff that you're sweating and as always from media sorry <laughs> and as always from movies to media to the world around us it's details like these that make it worth sweating the small stuff yeah